Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up for the last minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, um, gotta, gotta turn it over a new leaf right now, right here, right now. You are at the start of it. You know, I, I have a lot of crazy ideas, and uh, one of them, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spill the whole idea, but this sort of plays into it. Uh, you know, we we discovered over the past four or five years of doing this that. Uh, Keeping up with new music is fun. It's awesome. Uh, it also these podcasts sometimes get a little heated uh, and and contentious. And that's fun. That's that's good. But but what's more fun is is us sitting back and relaxing, just sort of talking and, and celebrating an album that we all love and uh, we maybe grew up with. Uh, maybe we maybe we just discovered it and uh, or something. But uh, to that end, we're sort of launching a new little segment of this called Discologist. Uh, we're gonna, we're going to take a look at some classic albums, uh, or maybe not so classic albums. Maybe it's something you've never heard uh, that we just want to bring to the surface and 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 something that is sort of in our brains uh, all the time down here in this in this basement with all our little LPs and three eleven CDs. So kicking off the first thing is something we tried to do last year. Uh, didn't work out, so we're going to do it now for you. Uh, talk about the Fuji's the score. Interesting thing about the score. It came out at a time when uh, I sort of was not listening to the radio, so I actually completely missed the score. You're going to hear us talk about this a little more in depth uh, in the podcast. Uh, but uh, our, our panelists today, uh, Mr. Marcus Dowling and, and Eduardo uh, Nunez, Definitely did not miss the score, as did millions of people did not miss it. It is one of the most influential hip-hop or soul albums of all time, uh, featuring Miss Lauren Hill, uh, Wyclef Jean, and Praz. And, uh, and you know, it's safe to say we would not have a lot of the the uh, black music, if you will, uh, a lot of the hip-hop, a lot of the uh, soul, a lot of the fusion uh, that we have today, if it weren't for this album. So when it came time uh, to think about stuff that we should talk about, this was high on the list. And this is especially fun for me because, again, I I just grew up not hearing it, and it was a time to jump into it. You know, maybe twenty years after the fact, uh, sort of fascinating. But I think I think I think I get it. I think so. Uh, so that's what we're doing this week, and that's all we're doing this week. Nothing but the Fugees. Um, so if that sounds like something you're into. And uh, and you're comfortable and all that. I think we can go ahead and get to it. Uh, so so strap in. Here we go. First sort of crack at discologist uh, talking about the Fuji's score. So let's head on down to the basement and see what's up. It was a snowy day in Washington D.C. I mean, that's one way. I mean, there's there's multiple ways. We're to look in at the it. new rock basement with lasers, lasers, hey, lasers, lasers. Yeah, lasers, this is a lasers. this is a 
this was this was a nice basement and it still is it's yeah. even nicer now yeah well, yeah it's yeah. pretty for, yeah. for, for those of you who aren't here we have a nice uh something i railed against for years a nice big tv but uh 2017 no fucks given no none nothing makes sense none. up is down <laughs> trump will be our president yeah and uh and so now me and the cats don't ever have to leave here that's, that's we've good. proved that you a lot <laughs> since <laughs> new year um i mean so so eduardo is is Proz the worst rapper of all time <laughs> almost almost certainly but we're, 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 we're jumping the gun we're jumping the gun we're okay so 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 what we're doing here today is is uh the other kind of podcast that we do although i don't think we've actually done this i think we might have done it once we did we did it with brother man right um we did it with one around but you know, one thing we wanted to start doing here is uh sort of dissecting albums yeah. and and talking about them in depth uh later on this year we're going to be uh actually dissecting uh discographies yeah so you're going to have a whole weeks nice. of shit but right now we're going to do something that we really uh, meant to do in 2016, but and I'll cop to this right now, guys. I was too fucking hungover. <laughs> I I I did my research for this and as much research as I could do because I missed it. In now it's what 21 years since it was released. Yeah, talking about the Fugees, talking about the album, the score. Yes. This was an album that uh, that tore up everything. Uh, the rule book being one of the things. Yeah, and and was a giant hit for everybody. It was right after I got out of college, so I just completely missed it. I was stuck in, in Roanoke, Virginia, actually, listening to stuff like, you know, give you an idea what was going on around that time. You had on the radio, had stuff like Sublime. You had the Spice Girls were really big. Tupac was sort of there. Firestarter. Is that like uh, the Prodigy, Prodigy song? Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It was <laughs> <laughs> Gin Blossoms, who my ex-girlfriend made it, might have banged their guitarist. And, uh, <laughs> and and the Macarena and and the ever present. No, nineteen seventy nine was not then. That was that was like the Smashing, Pump, the Smashing Pumpkins song. That was like ninety four. So, so melancholy. So I think it was a single then because Melancholy yeah. came out in ninety five. Yes. I want to say Melancholy came out in the fall of ninety five. Mm-hmm. I can almost. What was the? Oh, I'm thinking today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, you yeah, are yeah, thinking yeah, today. I'm thinking, I'm thinking yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so so all this was going on. You had had the hip hop renaissance, uh, which I think really was a renaissance. And and Marcus, you can expound on this or or, totally. ex- or expand on this. What I'm about to say, yeah, I think it was driven by uh, uh, three or four different groups. One of the big ones being Arrested Development. Uh, then you had, and I'm talking about hip hop in the popular. No, sphere. no, 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 no. So, I, so, like, uh, I like. I'm happy that you mentioned Arrested so, Development. So let me, yeah. let me get through this. We'll get to so, that. Yeah. One of them being Arrested Development. One of the other one being uh, PM Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Then you had us three. Then yes. you had Diggable Planets. Yes, yeah, and and these were the rap groups that were combining. Um, they they were taking rap in a in a totally new direction because what it, we've gone through the grunge era at this point, although those mm-hmm. were existing during the grunge era, but it was clear instead of being like a Run DMC, a Boom Bap thing, instead of like a, a, a NWA or even a Public Enemy, which did have a lot of instrumentation, yeah. that. Uh, these people were going, I mean, in fact, us three uh, had access to the Blue Note catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And infusing the hip-hop with a band, which is something we've talked about a lot. Yeah, yeah, Which obviously. is what Kendrick did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Took, it only took, like, 20 years to come back. Right, but, <laughs> right. Um, so, so, like, who else was going on? What else was going on in hip-hop? Here? Okay, so, um, hip-hop at this point, you have to understand, hip-hop, you're, you're at this point now where 
the mainstream had figured out how to make hip hop pop palatable. And this is a thing that is actually super important to the Fugees because the Fugees initially for uh, Blended on Reality, their debut album, mm -hmm. are kind of like the sons and daughters of that us three super jazzy, very high fi, so. like yep. highly Wouldn't polished. Wouldn't it be the niece and nephews? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, that's a better analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this highly polished jazz rap that was happening. Because, like, Us Three's Cantaloupe, you mentioned Us Three, mm -hmm. is like this just super highly polished, like, scat jazz thing. There's like a bitty bitty bop in the hook yeah, and all yeah. that's going on. And it's very, like, overly pop ready in a way that, like, jazz and rap should never really be, like, made yeah. palatable for top 40 ears. Um, Arrested Development is important there, too, because they're doing this kind of, like, folk rap yeah. mm -hmm. thing that... Well, they're also... They were bringing a lot of Sly and the Family Stone into that. Yeah, well, yeah. Which, that, so, that's where they actually succeeded, I yeah, think. Yeah, everyday yeah. people worked, but nobody knew that that is... Like, people everyday worked, but nobody nobody really picked up. I was like, the the pop listener of that day yeah, yeah. picked yeah. up on the fact that it was a Sly and the Family Stone Oh, you're absolutely right. You're, you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. Nobody did. Right, and right, it, right. Was the, it was more the fact that it was like this kind of like really folk rap driven thing. And rap hadn't done folk yet. Mm -hmm. Rap had done every other genre and of music. It was but literally like... Oh, hey, look, uh, black folks are safe. Exactly. <laughs> I might, exactly. And, I, and I might be wrong about this, but I feel like Arrested Development were probably the first hip hop artists to do an MTV Unplugged. Yes. Uh -huh. Right. I, I, they I, were in I, the same um, era as you had Uptown doing the Unplugged. Right. With, um, yeah. With like Father of C and Mary J. Blige and Joe C and all those people. Oh, right. Man. And uh, it was just, and Christopher Williams and all and like all, everybody. And uh, LL Cool J did one as, uh, right, as right, well right. back then. That's right. And uh, you're you're talking about an era with like uh, with all of so you have, you have so if raps like expanded mm -hmm. and raps got this big giant broad open umbrella that it encompasses now, but it we had just crossed into that. So the Fugees on their first record in Blend on Reality, they're doing everything to like extend that umbrella even further. Yeah. That record is so broad, it's so creative and unique and different and funky and fun. There's acoustic guitars all over right, it. Right. There's like open drums that like aren't breaks, but just yep. drum loops like every indie band that you've ever heard of in history of the universe. And, and it was playing. also squarely in line with the aesthetic of what a positive rap artist at the time right. should should sound like and what they should do and what they should say. Yeah. Right. Um, because because the other stream that's happening while, you know, Kevin, like I think all the people you mentioned were like very much like palatable. Again, they were positive people. They were safe for MTV. The other thing, the other sort of barbarians at the gate who were crashing the MTV top 10 um are all the west coast guys yeah, right it's, yes. it's, it's snoop and it's dre and it's and it's ice yeah. cube and i, think I read a thing today that it was a review of this album uh that uh, i think and power no it was and power somebody else wrote but like they were like thank god like dr dre doesn't have his this is the one thing this year that dr dre did not have his <laughs> fingerprints on because <laughs> he was everywhere it yeah. was the, the, and, like, i mean it's funny only because like when you get to the set when you get to this fuji's album there's so many ways that this record like expanded hip-hop in another way where you were able to get like actual black pop records that were top 40 ready mm -hmm. this is a thing that doesn't really exist until this record comes yeah. out and let's let's talk real quick though about the guts of this so contextualize yeah. this for people who yeah. 
as weird as it, you guys might think it is, who maybe haven't heard this. No, no, and that's yeah. perfectly understandable. Okay, so, yeah. so you've got you've got uh, Lauren Hill, right? Which everybody knows. Mm-hmm. But th- back then, she was still for a lot of people the girl who was in Sister Act. Yes. Yeah. Right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> like, right. 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 So, so, so you've got. So you get that. Yeah. You get Wyclef John, who everybody. God damn it. Yeah. Is now. <laughs> Uh, and uh, apparently you've got the worst rapper of all time. <laughs> Literally the worst rapper Ross. in the history of hip hop. You have uh, a oh. an album that is built on equal parts hip hop as it is soul, as it is stuff that you and I quite enjoy, uh, Marcus. Black exploitation soundtracks. Yes, yes, yes. It, you know, it is when you put something like this on. It is like stepping back into even not even though stylistically I don't think it is necessarily, but. Just the feeling you get, it's like stepping back into the mm-hmm. late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. and hearing something like across... 100th <laughs> century. Yeah. There you go. And for this to happen in 1996, it's just something that had been gone for a whole, a real long time. And, mm. this, and this also, just in the historical sense, you know, 96 is the year that a couple of really important uh, uh, rappers were shot. Yeah. Um like like there's a confluence of all these different things happening in 96. Um and um and of course that you know that sort of speaks to the context of the album. So I think you know the idea of like no woman no cry being a single everywhere on the radio. Um we'll, we'll get you to know, no woman no cry. Yeah, like like it's... the fall after both Tupac and Biggie have been have been killed. Um had this you know it's the band didn't necessarily plan on it. Someone capitalized the fuck out of it. Um, by by basically putting that song there and trying to and trying to sort of position the Fugees who who I think you know what they brought what they brought that no one else had brought to the table yet at that point was this idea of being positive without being corny mm-hmm. right and it was this hard edged positive side of just sort of like it's self aware and they make fun of themselves and they're super fucking smart. Mm-hmm. And but that but you know as 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 Lauren says after all my logic and my theory <laughs> I had a motherfucker I, yeah exactly so just <laughs> let, to make sure you're heard right so uh, there, there was all that but let's 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 real quick here a snippet of what really got him in the door this was not the first single off this yeah uh, this was not even a it was it was meant to be a rewrite yes of a song that they wouldn't let him do it and so they sort of covered it one time uh, this was ubiquitous <laughs> one time to this day. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even gonna say it because you know what it is. Here you go. Yo, this is why Clef Refuge. Roberta Flack, 
Uh, it's still alive. DC's, so we're not rolling DC's over own Roberta Flack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kill, killing me softly. Uh, this is killing me softly. Is his song. Yeah, not killing me soft. Killing herself. It's, I don't even know. Rumor, yeah. uh, rumor that Wyclef broke up with Lauren Hill right before she went in to sing the hook for this. Well, I mean, the, you know, that would that would make yeah, all the sense in the world. We'll get to the, that. We'll, it get would to the, be. we'll get to the relationship. You know, that, that's one of the most like, iconic uh, soul songs yeah. I think of ever. But as as we were discussing off mic, Marcus, like. That didn't really get in, up into the the mainstream America, certainly not no. the uh, middle class, which at that time, when this yeah. is, out, is still largely a a place, homogenized, homogenized, and very suburbanized. Yeah, yeah suburbanized. Yeah, I, I won't go all the way with white, but uh, right, yeah, but suburban, definitely more suburban yeah. than than truly urban. But um, that's the key. But, but I mean, race does play a role here because the thing that makes the, this Fuji's record, this album, whole album, great is that number one, you took these weird black kids and you did everything you could to cross them over to mainstream black culture. The biggest key to this record is that it did a double crossover. It didn't just cross over from like alt black culture to mainstream black culture. That was the first one. Mm -hmm. And that would have made them millions of dollars mm -hmm. like yeah, in yeah. 1996. But it's the fact that they then went and crossed over from mainstream black culture to all people, all people. worldwide. Which is incredible. And um, we were talking about this off, right, off mic, too. There's, like, rules that the, the Fugees broke that aren't, like, pop, you know, you talk about people with albums now and they broke rules. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, okay, you broke a big, giant rule of all music. But the Fugees specifically broke rules of, like, black music in a way that, like, just why would you do that? Like, the idea of, like, okay, so you're going you're gonna to tell me that this woman can re-sing Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly. Every, any other woman on planet Earth that would have tried to re-sing Killing Me Softly, I don't care if you're Stephanie Mills. Yeah, dude, no, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, there's certain things well, you just don't do. And when Lauren gets in the, gets in the booth and yeah. kills it, that's a point well, where it's you're, also, you're, 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 you're above... Any sort of negative statement made about the quality of your creative like output at that point, right? And yeah. it speaks to like the power of like good art and uh, good writing. Good, just like yeah. if something is is the Benita Applebaum sample in that, all of that. Yeah, like, it, if something is meant to be, it's meant to be in the universe. Like uh, not to uh, blame yeah. your fish cast that I watched. <laughs> Look at Kevin, water. man. Yeah, and and but but you know, MSG vibes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> So th the thing is, like, too, is like you have to remember, like, back when this came out, like, first of all, we're coming off grunge, yeah, mm -hmm. which is <laughs> did a lot for the flannel industry, and um, <laughs> and uh, but it also emboldened uh, like douchey white dudes to just be oh, yeah. douchier. I, I don't yeah. even know how to put it, but you're also at a time when uh, black culture was still. I mean, the problem we just talked about the uh, Run the Jewels album, yeah, 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 and a lot of the stuff they're talking about. Uh, you know, it was happening back then as right. well. I mean, all the stuff we've been talking about all last year for uh, exactly yeah. the podcast. But, you know, black culture still wasn't as horrifying as this statement is, like, sort of established in the mainstream. No, not even close. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that was 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, and it's, for somebody like me, and I, and I don't know, I don't know about you, Eduardo, like, but, it, you know, it, you didn't even think about it. You're like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, but the reality is it wasn't, and it was this thing coming up, and then all of a sudden you have not only this thing that is doing the art form that like the mainstream has deemed 
okay. Yeah. They're like, okay, we're okay with the wraps, mm-hmm. and you can do this. But then for the foodies to hold up, one of the greatest examples of achievements of black culture, in yeah. music at least, right. is like, what? And there's that, and then you have, like, uh, you have Ready or Not. Yes. But yeah. Persuader, like, by, um, yeah, the Persuaders, I think, mm-hmm. is on there. And there's all these songs that, like, if you love black music and you're a black person, because remember, you have to initially remember, this is a record that's only solely meant to, like, people don't get it. The Fugees were almost dropped. By, yeah. by 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 Rough House. Mm-hmm. Bro, bro gave him $135,000. Which is about half a million yeah. dollars. Yeah. In, and, and, that's, and that's record industry money in 1996. And, and, said, right, and right. so it's paper. Go, go make yeah. this. You have creative control. If you fuck it up, you're done. Right. So they bought a bunch of equipment, went in Wyclef's uncle's basement. But, yep. Yeah, there's pieces, though, to this record that are, like, in retrospect, when you understand, like, the fullness of hip-hop culture, like, now that we all understand hip-hop culture. Which is one of the great things about the internet and one of the great things about 2017 is that we've reached this point where most people understand the history of hip-hop culture. Mm-hmm. Diamond D, who's like one of the grimiest, grittiest, most like underground respected producers of all time, is like doing cuts and scratches on this record mm-hmm. in a way that like dusty Wu-Tang records are yeah. supposed to sound. Yeah. Like Jerry Wonder, who's like a a, a like, you know reggae influence pop producer extraordinaire is working on this record like why clef jean who god bless him he's got like a one in ten <laughs> he's got like a one in ten for like brilliant ideas he hits like 500 on this album somehow like it's you're like oh okay so like whereas a lot of the interludes are terrible and he proves himself to not be as good as prince paul like, which right. is what he's trying to be about right way. right right yeah he's trying to be as good as prince paul on three feet high and rising that's why there's like a million to one interludes on this which record is, which is the band where you left out dale yeah. soul yeah dale right, soul's right, right. clearly which, in here shame because, us. right right yeah, right but he's trying to be prince paul he's like i can i could be better than prince paul there's a lot of there's a lot of arrogance with the fujis on this record yeah, that's kind of crazy like yeah. Just crazy, stupid amounts of arrogance. The only person, by the way, of the three of them who has any right to believe herself to be that arrogant is Lauren Hill. Because everything Lauren does on this record is better than everything that females had done in rap to that point. Yeah. Like, she's a better rapper than, yep. like, MC Light on this album. And I'll so, say that. And so, and I so, mean, I'll say that. when was Queen Latifah? When, when was Queen Latifah's Latifah? in there, like, 94-ish, yeah. you okay. know? And, and by that point, she's more, like, getting ready to do living singles, so she's not, like, rel- okay. super hyper-relevant, mainstream female rapper. Like, she's the... Salt she's, Peppa? Well, okay, so, like... I, I don't mean to bust down your... No, 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 yeah, it's okay. No, no, Stop Cool and Vicious is a great record. But by 94, they're post, like... You know, like, Shoop, and they had done... They were more moving mm-hmm. into right. that pop lane. Right. Mm-hmm. But Lauryn Hill is, like... Using like fourteen syllable words in battle raps mm-hmm. all yeah. over this thing, and you're just like, "Whoa!" She's- like, why is the the female rapper on the record like battle ready, like ready to just like rip people's like faces off? Like, right. you listen to like zealots, yeah. You know, like you listen to like yeah, ready or not, even Fuji La is. Do, a, do we want to hear a battle rap? record? Like, we've heard it a little bit. Well, uh, yeah. Good. So, so from what I've read, um. In the, when they were sort of jamming and trying to come up with ideas for this, Fuji La was really the song that when they when they when they came up with that hook and Wyclef came in and said, "We used to be ten, now we're permanent one." Yeah, like they were just like, "We have something here," and that and that yeah, song the, became the, the animating the, spirit the, for the, the entire the thing. Influence of Jamaican culture too on this yeah. record, which yeah, is yeah, the whole yeah. which is a whole other thing in the sense that like 
Jamaican culture had been like sampled and like kind of like brought into the fold, uh-huh. but never on like a record that would eventually become a top 40 mainstream <laughs> forever. Pop. Yeah, yeah, forever. So it's like what? fascinating because, because like, you know, even going back to like Cool G Rap and people like that, there's like the influence of like dance hall culture, the influence of like sound clash culture. And then you have like Wyclef that's like, we used to be number 10. Yeah. Now we're permanent one. And you're like, wait. That's like <laughs> straight out of the sound clash. Let's let, let's let's yeah, read a little wild. bit of uh, Fuji Log. That was, this was actually the I believe this was the first single. Yeah, this was this was the introduction wow. to the world at large. Yeah, really on this. So this is a uh, Fuji Law. I mean, you just heard. I mean, that's you know, Lauren Hill on every song. So, so actually, go back a second to what you guys were saying. They they have one hundred thirty five thousand dollars to make this album. Yes. Yeah. If they fuck it up, they're done. Yeah. What do they do? They put they're they're a mixed group, yeah. and they put a female MC front and center, mm-hmm. and put out an album with no sexism, no booty call songs, Mm-mm. right? Nothing that would that would like find a home on doggy style. Nothing. Right. <laughs> Not even close. Right? Not even close. And they and and they lead with Lauren Hill, who was. Spitting out so so I love the um and I had to write these down the um the opening of the beast because I I kind of <laughs> yes! I mangle this but just the level of verbal skill here which is and and it goes conflicts with nightsticks illegal sales districts handpicked lunatics keep politicians rich heretics push narcotics amidst its risks and frisks cool clicks throw bricks but seldom hit targets private dick sell hits like porno flicks do chicks the six 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 cut wick like Newt Gingrich sucks dick and it's just it's like. <laughs> And the way she delivers that is right. just like she deserves an Oscar for this Which, album. Like there was that last sentiment just <laughs> yeah. valid twenty still, years later. Still like, holds, right? Yeah. Just, We're still cutting wick. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like the 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 funny it's like again, this is one of those albums that happy we talk about in retrospect because people really have to like understand that we don't do rap groups anymore because in many ways the Fuji's like opened the door and shut the door mm. on ever being able to do like rap as like a as like a you know group effort that's also like both male and female at the same time and pros and, well, well, okay. so, all right all right i will, I will say i'll, I'll right. say in his defense i don't think there's another there's a third thing that could have worked on this album okay. the way he does. So, so the key, <laughs> so. the key here to the Fugees is like, Wyclef is 
thinking so far outside the box. Yeah. Like he's Raging like weirdo way just yeah. out there, you know. So, and then Praz is like you're he's like the person you need in the room to like validate yeah. your creativity. Like you need somebody in the room to just say, This is a good idea. That's a great idea. That shit is crazy. And right. then Lauren's the person who's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Sing the hook from Minnie Riverton. <laughs> okay. Yeah, cool. right. And you need somebody in here who can execute that let's, shit cold. Let's, let's talk about Whitecliff for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of my favorite people in music. Is he? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So you have him on these Fuji's records, mm-hmm. and then he was... Um, carnival, carnival, like the the eclectic. That might be. That might be. I mean, he, he has yeah, been no, no. a diminishing return. He, he has yeah. been that not man. the most respected member. That that honor goes to Miss Lauren Hill. Oh yeah, right. Um, but Miss Lauren Hill did not. She doesn't have a lot of output, or or visibility, or anything. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so Wyclef fills uh, the space. I think honestly, like something like Will I Am stepped into as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if yeah. you listen to when, when were Black Eyed Peas? There's early Black Eyed Peas is no Black Eyed Peas is ninety eight, ninety nine. Was yeah. it ninety eight, ninety nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, without without we're, Fuji's and without Black Eyed Peas, and Black Eyed Peas were trying to be Fuji's at the oh, beginning, absolutely. yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, and, and trying to be ultra like in many cases militant with like their their messaging and stuff. Yeah. Turned into this like weird like pop thing, <laughs> which I think we can all agree, Wyclef. Like might have paved that path too. Hey, yeah, it's the the crazy thing with the Fujis is I always feel like had the Fujis stayed together, like Carnival would have been the next Fujis record. Mm-hmm. I always I strongly feel that when I listen to Carnival because you have like Lawrence on Guantanamera mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like the Fujis, like the score, the score set the standard for what this trio should have always been right there's a million different permutations of pop records that they could have made and made amazing pop records by every standard because every time anybody comes next to the fuji's concept whether that's kendrick lamar or Anderson Park or anybody mm-hmm. that comes back to that standard of like okay so we're gonna take some big fucking chunky ass breaks we're gonna get like an r&b record and we're just gonna execute on that standard of like taking whatever that is and put it together and we're going to like execute whatever both of those things are supposed to sound like at their height. We're going to take that and just like replicate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whenever anybody's done that, it's been fantastic. And last year it really proved it. Um, the funny part with Wyclef is that Wyclef made this record and he like immediately forgot it. Like it, <laughs> it ever existed. It's like, okay, I made the score. Now I have to make... Pop yeah. dance records. I have to take. Well, I, I have to take. I have to do. Trying to stay alive. Guantanamera. Yeah. All this other right. stuff and go even further with it. Like, well, I mean, that, that, I think that comes from like any artist, like dipping their toe in the pop pool. Yeah. And seeing like that, you can have this uh, massive amount of fame, and it affects people differently. And some people, like again, Will I Am being the worst example of this. Like he, the guy, mm-hmm. he is like. Uh, uh, he, well, Taylor Swift is better, but. You know, he is he is much like people like Taylor Swift, people like Katy Perry or stuff, that you can like not deny their talent for writing hook. You don't ever want to listen to them <laughs> if you if you're a, like a human with half a brain, but but it works on a very basic psychological level. And Michael yeah. John can like actually tap into that. Right. So one thing I want to circle back to though, what we were talking about at the beginning of this, you were saying how they 
did things that like were sort of taboo for black artists. Absolutely. So it's interesting that now, twenty years later, twenty one years later, yeah, that that this album is now taboo for black artists. That we haven't had. I mean, who who has done the Fuji? Actually, just outright, we're going to do the Fuji since the closest the score. thing to it was that Kendrick record, and it really that's the one thing about the Kendrick record that made it mm-hmm. stick was that like like King Kunta is a James Brown record, yeah, mm-hmm. for all of its purposes, a James Brown record. Well, it's and, a James Brown sample, so... Yeah, but it's like, but it's not even just a sample. It's like in the same way that, like, Killing Me Softly is a Roberta Flack record. Mm-hmm. It's not just the sample, it's the fact that you take, you took the vibe of the record, too. And you sampled the vibe of it. Like, you sampled, like, the aesthetic feel of it, because Lauren Hill's voice is Blurred able... lines! <clears throat> well, <laughs> I mean, blurred lines is a different thing. I mean, to me, it's like... Well, now you can't sample the vibe. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, you right. can't. But the thing with blurred lines that made it so terrible, as opposed to, like, King Kunta or Killing Me Softly, is that there's, like, when you take the vibe of the record and you invert it on its head and then you present it to the people as, like, a legitimate thing, mm-hmm. then that's when there's a problem. So, like, blurred lines is all the way fucked up because it's like, okay, we're going to take this record that's about, like, having fun and disco dancing and make it about sex. And not just sex, but like creepy, gross sex. <laughs> rapey sex. <laughs> right, like rapey, disgusting, creepy, gross sex. Yeah. We're going to take this, this beautiful disco record mm-hmm. and go, creepy, gross, disgusting sex. It's like killing me softly. There's nothing about it that says, okay, now we're going to like turn this into to, a song about murder. Re- no. Real quick, though, to be fair, there's sometimes when I listen to Marvin Gaye and I'm like, no, dude, I did not tell you you could put your hand on my thigh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I just want to throw that out there. like, bro. I mean, especially now, especially like anything on um, what's the name? Uh, here, my dear. But, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's so yeah. So again, back to this point because it's it's important is that the Fugees broke every single rule you could think of to break in every style of black music you could think of. the The battle rapper is a female. Mm-hmm. Um. Dancehall culture is not just available to be like borrowed; it's available to be stolen. And where and where was dancehall at this point in '96? Oh, I mean, it was, it was just after the pop boom. So I mean, you had like Buju Banton and you know Capeton oh, yeah. and all those artists uh-huh. had crossed over. That's the funny part. And if you know anything about like that area of Jersey where they're from, the oranges like you, there's and a and you're talking about like making dancehall, like people yeah, could understand yeah, so like the, heavy, explain yeah. the roots of this uh, real quick. Okay, so you're going back to Jamaica, you're going back to like the post reggae era of Jamaican dance when rap finally hit the island, and it was like okay, so we can't do rap like Run DMC because that's just not a thing that mm-hmm. we understand organically. So it's like okay, let's take these reggae records and reggae has toasters people that already are talking over these records Mm -hmm. like in the same way that you know you had original rappers talking over disco breaks there were people that would talk over reggae records on the radio and they would say things about you know the kind of sex they were having or Mm -hmm. the kind of things that were going on in the community and once you add breaks to that then it just becomes rap but because of the patois because of the historical background yeah that's where we go, and so and, and, and the distinct like musical movements like leading up to this. You had Rocksteady, yeah, which is like before, mm-hmm. which is more 
I don't even know how to describe it because if you hear it, it's very hard to distinguish it from like actual reggae. Well, it's a, right. I'd say to me, it's it more, is more. It's like proto dance hall. Yeah, I'd say to me, it's more like okay. So you take like R and B records, like really nice American R and B soul records, mm-hmm. and you are doing things at reggae's tempo still, but the feel of the record is less like reggae vibe and more like american r&b vibe so you're making american r&b records under a dance hall aesthetic so you go from that to like rap which is where dance hall comes in and then by this record like rap and dance hall are very much conversant parts of the american musical lexicon especially the urban top 40 Uh crossover the crossover top 40 space that they're trying to fit into like that's the key to this record where did billy ocean fit into this (laughs) Billy Ocean is like the guy who made Billy Ocean was the guy who was willing to like forsake his like rock steady thing and mm-hmm. just go and make American R&B records like yeah. I'm just gonna go and make the American record R&B in quotes get out get out of my car get out of my dreams get into my car <laughs> yeah that's not that's not R&B man well, well but, you know, for but, the purposes of 1985, it absolutely was. Yes. Okay, you're right. Yeah, RB was in a very weird place in 1985. <laughs> but I, th- I think one thing that Not that happens office. when the yeah. when the Fujis bring that to the table is it does two things. So so I think first of all, it opens it opens up two two pans. I'll say. One is it opens up the Pan Africanist pan of basically yeah. saying we are now we're not and just five doing percenters, by the way they're five percenters yeah they are they are so so totally so five it's percenters. like so it's like we're not just doing American like what's up five percenters for the listeners yeah so uh, it's a it's a sect of the uh, the I guess you would call it the uh, the pro African movement the Pan African mm-hmm. movement that uh, suggests that they're um God I, I I should probably pull up my phone and. They're concerned with things like calculating like the weight of continents right, relative right, to the right. moon. And so like the weight of Africa is uh, like the number that describes that has some mystical yeah, import. Right. right? So, There's you're, this, yeah, okay. so, you're, so it's yeah. very much like insisting also that there is an African element that's in control right. of the universe. Right, 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 and right. That there is a, a need for that's a well back put. to Africa movement in order to take African-Americans Back to their place where they have the most power and the most influence right. and the most ability to, you know, yeah. change the way the world spins, basically. So, so when so when the Fujis do that and they open up that and, and, and they're saying we're not just making black American music anymore, we're actually making African diaspora music. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That that sort of that changes things a and little bit. from Haiti. Don't forget that. Exactly. Don't yeah, right. forget so, that. The, <laughs> so the Caribbean piece and but and, and, and as a South American, what the Caribbean piece does is it opens up a Pan-American thing where I'm saying this is really it's not just it's not it's music of the new world. Right. right. It's not it's the African diaspora and all of us who, you know, ended up on this side of the planet. Right. Um, not just in the northern hemisphere. Um, and to and, you know, when this. It, the the thing that I think um, we're also hinting at a little bit is is the the Marley thing, which is and so so the oh, so no the year before we, I'll, we can I'll, go there. I'll get a little. I mean, and Lauren Hill is married to a Marley, right? Um, yeah, is she? So yeah, um, Rohan. Yep, for a while. Yeah. So so what's such an unfortunate first name? But okay, the, the year before the year before this album came out, I, I was I was a freshman in college and I made some you know I didn't really know Bob Marley's music beyond like the stuff on Legend and Legend. I made yeah and I made some comment about Bob Marley not being an interesting figure or even political, 
And two people sat me down and were like, motherfucker, you're going to learn about the real Bob Marley. You're going to hear burning and looting. You're going to hear. I mean, you'd, you'd gotten high, right? Yeah, but I just but like, <laughs> like but there I was, but, but it was like the secret, like of of the the, the secret, the secret ingredient, <laughs> fucked up part of the the score, and its mm. ultimate top forty crossover is that there's a there's a real correlation. I went to Providence College, well, yeah. in Providence, Rhode Island, which at the time that I was at Providence College was ninety seven percent white. So when the score came out. Nope, nobody really knew. I was a I was a DJ at WDOM ninety one point three FM. Nice, nice. DJ Casanova on the on the air. <laughs> eight to Fantastic. Eight, eight to ten a.m. Saturday mornings. That's why. I, that's why I love knowing you, man. Every, every single day I learn something new. And it's, so so um, something that's not surprising, right? So Just I was, so the, the score was very much a, a key part of my my you know college life. The Fugees and Wyclef Jean and Pros and you know this Jean Forte and the product D and B and you know City High and everybody in the refugee camp was a huge part of yeah. my college career. And um, the secret to the score working and crossing over is the fact that they covered also cover Bob Marley's No Woman No Cry. Which, initially, I can imagine, is the only song, given the, the, the contextual outline of what this album is, and we've talked about it, we've talked about mm-hmm. all the pieces of it, it is the absolute one song that you could choose if you are actually sitting down and really talking about everything that this record encapsulates. And you're like, okay, so what's one song that will triangulate between all of this stuff and we can put it in a white person's hands? And they'll go, oh, aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's the woman, no cry. Yeah, let's do that real yeah. quick. You know that song. <laughs> you know it well. You know, you know all versions of it. Uh, there was I, I don't know who covered it before them, but like it, it gets covered like once a year. Yeah. Uh, but I think you're right, Marcus. I think if if you're if you're gonna sell a bill of goods to a crowd that might not necessarily uh, get your album, yeah, that's the way to do it. What's interesting about this album, and and Marcus, I'll be curious to hear if you remember hearing about this um, at the time, but uh, it also spawned like one of the most pervasive early urban myths, which is that so I would be in a room full of like down white people, right? Like positive people who are into shit and who were you know, like studying going. black studies. Yeah. And someone would say, you know, Lauren Hill said she didn't want white people to buy her music, right? <laughs> which was, and in the pre-internet days, <laughs> a story like that got around really quickly. It was, right. She said and, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, okay. So the best part about the Fugees too, was that they, they, they sent the Fugees on like a national press tour. <laughs> Which, in retrospect, is like the most idiotic idea of all time. Because mm-hmm. you have like <laughs> Lauren Hill, who really doesn't fucking care. Yeah. Like 
and and we we know this now in in all right. reality mm-hmm. but and and she's like okay you know like i'm from the oranges in new jersey and my parents are like super fucking woke <laughs> so like i'm like very aware and like i'm still kind of skittish around white people like there's like a, there's a class of black person who forever will always be skittish around white people yeah and all three of the Fujis are in that class of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Wyclef Jean's like, I am from Haiti and I'm very much pro-black. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, you know, you're going to put these people on like a national mm-hmm. press tour. And it's like, this, this couldn't turn out well. So like, they're like, yeah, you know, so like, there's a lot of like anti-white, you know, like rhetoric on your record. And Lauren's like, yeah, I don't worry about my record. I mean, they can, but that's the part that they forget is when she's yeah, like, they yes. can, and I would be, but ideally I want more black people. Right, right. I mean, back, back to what I said too. Like, you have to remember, like, as as much good as something like Prince did, yeah, through the eighties and stuff, yeah. Ninety nine percent of people to Prince were like, "Oh, he's not black." No, <laughs> he's not black. No, the Fujis yeah. are black. The Fujis are like blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like that's that's the, the the greatness of again the the Fujis on this. They they broke every rule like consciously broke every single like why clef john saying bob okay so on the same record lauren hill re-saying not just mm. not just um the the roberta flack but also mm. minnie ripperton yeah yeah two of the most iconic voices in black music of all time but why clef john took it upon himself <laughs> to to sing bob marley yeah, the level of, of, of just balls in that is is out of control. You're just like, is it really? Is it balls or is it good marketing? Well, it's or, great. Or just genuine appreciation. It's because because these things. I, I think albums like this, and the reason we don't have like another score, uh, is albums like this come along because people are just doing what they. We were talking earlier about like, do you want to build a show to uh, to pack the show in? Or do you want to build a show? We're talking about a live show. Yeah. Or do you want to put build a live show to actually do a good show? Oh. And the answer is always you want to do it to do a good show. And if you want to do it for any other reason, quit because you're not you're right. right. So with with this, you know, I see a guy who has uh, he's got the cred. He's from Haiti, right? Yeah. So right. like, there's more cred than like me sitting in my college dorm room, being like, "I love Bob Marley," yeah. which, by the way, I don't. <laughs> uh, but um, it's just you, and because it was, it, it, it might be just me. It's it, just was be- it was because of the ubiquity of it. Yeah, and uh, but you have a guy who grew up with this in a different context, right? Hearing this stuff, and is like, "Hey, I want to celebrate this." People don't necessarily do this, and when they do, and don't do it for these commercial reasons, and don't do it for they they do it purely for the love right. of it. Maybe it's it's well, I can't I yeah. can't. So speak the question to, is whether yeah. or not that's what he is doing. So I can't I can't speak to what it's like in Haiti, but but in in Brazil, I think Bob Marley is a figure who's viewed no differently than John Lennon. Like the yeah. two are sort of of equal. I I the, think that's were, actually worldwide. Yeah. yeah, right. And so yeah. and so they, these are these are guys who were sort of soulful people who wanted good things to happen, and and they have this other side. They both have another side that's a little bit more militant that yeah. kind of doesn't gets whitewashed. No pun mm-hmm. intended. Right. Um. But but I, I I don't know. I mean, I would say that that maybe Wyclef didn't know what he was doing, except that there are several other 
really expertly done, like inside ref. You know, the um, the line I'm thinking of is the "My word does nothing against the Fed, so my eyes stay red while I chase crazy bald heads." Yeah, like that's a line that had had I not been sat down a year before the album came out and 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 introduced properly to Bob Marley, that yeah. line wouldn't have meant much to me. Right, right. Um, and the fact that they thought to put it early on in the album as an early nod to the Marley heads out there to be like, "Hey, listen, we can speak your language. We know what's happening in there." Yeah. We're just, it's just coming out a little bit differently out of us. Again, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny, it's a slippery slope with, with Wyclef. Cause on this record, he's like clearly unaware because there's no, there, they had no like reason to like, not just do whatever the hell they wanted. Cause that's what they were told yeah. by the label. It's like, okay, let's go and do whatever the hell you want. By the time you get to like, you know, Carnival, which is the record that Wyclef fits out after <laughs> mm-hmm. this, he's covering... Um, God, it's like that album Wanted is like, Mira. yeah, it's, and it's, also it's staying alive, staying alive, and and then by the record after that, it's like twenty one tracks or something. Yeah, <laughs> that the, album the, is so the one after that, which is uh, I forget what it's called, the Eclectic. Yeah, the, not the Eclectic, that... but the one with him with the wings. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's got a cover of and and yeah, everybody in the world deserves to hear this. <laughs> um, he does a cover of Pink Floyd's "Wish You Were Here." That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is like. Uh, by the way, when you go from doing well, that's specifically <clears throat> doing Bob Marley because you're like a five percent area because you have all the stuff that you want to like get into the world and you're like I can cover Bob Marley. None right. of you other people can. I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna kill it. So, so, and then so, you go from that to like Pink Floyd. Well, this so, album. It's like uh, let me go first. So yeah. dig on this a little bit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If people like Wyclef and Lauryn Hill and they're saying stuff like you know this music for black people and stuff. Yeah. You know, we we haven't answered the question whether whether this is planning on his part, but I, but I, I think maybe it, it isn't. Maybe these are like accidental pop stars. Oh no, but because, because if you if you are going out to just do the thing, you're not. Why would you think twice about? It's not a problem to cover "Wish You Were Here." It's not a problem to cover "Guantanamo." It's not a problem to play whatever you want because you're a musician, right? And you should do that. The problem is how we, as the public, like look at it and be like, "Well, you can't do that." Why would you do that? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about this album is that idea that, you know, for me as a listener, um, I had, you know, probably this album and 36 Chambers are the two albums that sort of like opened the, my doors of perception to what hip hop could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're albums that, you know, forever cemented uh, my love of hip hop. Um, this album was the first time where, um, and I should have had this had I been a little bit more more woke i might have heard this in in early de la soul but 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 it was really here on the score that i was just like holy shit everything everything's in play yeah everything everything Mm -hmm. that's every sound every music and any genre that's ever been recorded can be touched Mm -hmm. and can be brought into this and it can be james taylor or it can be roberta (laughs) flack right Right, i mean and and, is on his record yeah right (laughs) right Right. yeah so what uh so we start to wrap this up and wind down. What's what's the impact of this thing? What oh. what beyond we we know it is. If you list top ten albums, I don't know where or top like say hundred albums, albums of all time. We know that it's going to be in the list. Yeah, we know mm-hmm. it has persevered for twenty years to people. Even though I finally just heard it, but you know, yeah. it's all neither good. here nor there. Um. How did this change what came after it? it? It's the thing that allowed rap to be able to encapsulate, truly encapsulate weird blackness into the room. 
Um, in a sense that initially it's like you have the De La Soul like three feet high and rising, which is so weird and so mm. out from the the cosmos. Yeah, like you're like oh, what? I I just was drinking like a million times last year, so I can tell you. Like you listen to it still, and you're just like, okay, it's very clear they're on drugs. It's very clear that there's a lot of things <laughs> going on here that just have never gone on in the history of making music. And it's like, okay, that record is really, 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 really weird. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like potholes in my potholes in my lawn is just weird. Will always be weird by any definition. Um, the score is the first time that like weird black kids tried to make crossover record in in rap because like you had like living color and people like that doing it in rock and mm-hmm. succeeding, but you had never really seen it in rap where like the weird black kids were like, okay, we're gonna go up to the black kids that like give us wedgies and swirlies and beat us in the face. And like actually make a record that we can give to yeah. them and they can look at us and right, feel right. like we so, are perfectly okay. So yeah. who, who, who exists now in your mind that, w- that wouldn't exist if, if it weren't for the score? God. Um, Who's out there? The entire Black Hippie crew, like Kendrick Schoolboy Q, uh-huh. Absol, they wouldn't exist. Um, guys like Black Milk and Odyssey wouldn't exist without this record. Yeah, Because can you can't. That. You can't be yourself without this right. record. Like, yeah. this record is 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 Haitian. It's not a black record, you know. Like, it's not an like, African American record. Yeah, what you're right, saying. Yeah. right. It's it's not even Afro American. It's Afro Latino American. Yep. Right. It's it's African American. Right. right. Was well, well, was it's, it, it's American Zen- Rubinos, like like some of that stuff. Like yeah, is right. not yeah, is not absolutely. necessarily possible. Right. Like you can't. Without like, this. There's a there, there's an understanding of like it's funny because I interviewed Blitz the Ambassador for Bandcamp mm-hmm. and he's a rapper from Ghana and his album's called Diaspora Radical, in the sense that like he looks at like rap as like this thing that exists in the African diaspora, like mm-hmm. overall, and this is a diaspora radical record mm-hmm. because like. The way that yeah. you have to interpret every single thing that's sampled on this record is not specifically from like a black standpoint. You can't be like, oh, well, this is black music thing. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's like clearly like this is a Haitian person looking at a black record and then making their own record that's filtered first from a Haitian perspective, right? then through the black American perspective, then out finally into the world. And there's so many artists that wouldn't exist in my mind without this record. Like to me, it also, well, if you think about too, when it came out, like there wasn't, I mean, hip hop being a, a strictly American art yeah, form, right? like it, be, it yeah. began here. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and for it to have reached other parts of the world, even though yeah. they're, you know, they're living in I America. Mean, yeah. And you know, this is one of the first examples where that really hit where they were able to talk about not just an American experience. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder, and I think I put this in, in my notes when we first talked about this a while back, like, I wonder, when I, when I listen to Anti today, like, I wonder if Rihanna, Rihanna? would, be, would yeah. be singing in Patois, you know, no, to, I, to kick off the album without, some, without, without that being kind of legitimized or normalized yeah, Robin, by Wyclef. Rihanna would have been Robin without this record, <laughs> like, Man. being honest. Like, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, there's a, there's a funny thing, too, when you think about, like, rap's roots coming back to, like, Cool Herc. And going back to like sound system mm. culture and mm-hmm. all of that. And this is the first time this in this just general era, like there's a lot of I don't think enough people think about it like this. Like this is the first time that rap had gone around the world and back again. Like by this yeah. point, like when I interviewed Blitz, it was funny. We we're talking. He's like public enemy toured Accra, Ghana in 1992. Right. 
So like, you know, and like by this point, like Run DMC were selling out shows in Tokyo. Yeah. Like, like there's a there's a period of time where people don't understand. We're like Run DMC were making American records. Why? Because they were selling out all sorts of far flung places around the globe and like doing yep. rap in well, and because, Singapore. And you because know? around the globe it wasn't necessarily seen as a quote unquote black art form. No, it was global. It was just like here, print some money. Yeah, right. So, it's, it's so I have I have this rule about how you know that you're outside of the U.S., which is that you're in a public place and you hear a rock set, like that's the like yeah. And 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 like and and I had jokingly made this a rule, and and the first time I was sitting in the Johannesburg airport on my way to Mozambique, I'm sitting there and I'm at the bar and I I'm having a um uh, a South African beer, and the first song that comes on is rock set, and I was like, okay, I know for sure, like I'm not in the U.S. anymore. The next song that came on was actually Black Eyed Peas, and that was the first time I realized, like, oh wait a minute, these guys are global because their choruses are all three words long. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. immensely repetitive. Right. It's basic English vocab that exactly. people, <laughs> people learn their first year of English, and and I know we've touched on the Black Eyed Peas already, but like, but but that kind of truly global pop idiom. That can follow Roxette in the Johannesburg airport. I don't yeah. think is possible without this album either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we know they 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 dissolved after this. Yes. There was uh, as I think is rather contentious. I think uh, yeah, they exploded. Might have been the, the you know they they, they went a, their own a way. Chi- we, there's a child born in a Jamaican studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, I mean, we've it's we, like the most salacious story of all time. Yeah, yeah, if you want we, to like yeah. look at look into it. Uh, we've I mean we've talked about like Miseducation of Lauren Hill. We've touched on that mm-hmm. like her and all these solo projects though. So they went their ways, and I don't think any of them except for Lauren Hill has affected popular culture in quite the same way. That this happened, D is given that we're in a, a a reunion culture though, and given that we're in here in 2017. I mean, we are. What is today? This is a this is the eighth this or is, ninth? Is, yeah, the eighth. Eighth. Yeah. No, seventh. 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 Yeah, January. We're, we're, we're two weeks away from uh, swearing from, in from what's coming. From, from, yeah, <laughs> from swearing in. Uh, a world that is potentially much worse than even what they were talking about. Uh, a lot of this record, like, do we see them like coming back together at some point? This will that that will never happen. Um, never, never. So, um, so so this does fall into. Uh, I think some things are just meant to be out there, like, man. It's and never, it's like, like, okay, so like, number one, you're correct in saying that the Fujis had no idea this was ever going to happen to them. They they literally went into a studio yeah. and made the best record they could ever make, yep. thinking that they would never ever get to do this again. Yep. So it's like, okay, we're gonna get like like Rod Digger is on the, right. the score. Like <laughs> right. what? You know, like they yeah. just did just bananas things that should never exist in the real world happen on the score. And they all happened once. And the second or third time that, that all these artists tried to do them again, it was at a degraded quality. Ghetto Superstar is not as good as Killing Me Softly. Right. No. Just isn't. Just <laughs> yeah. isn't. Like, it's a great song, but it's not as great as Killing Me Softly. Like, you know, Proz could have tried, but he just, it failed. Yeah. You know, so it's like. But he made all the money because he was on the score. Right. But right. you'll never, you'll right. never see this again. Like, there's two things, though. Yeah. There's two things, though, in, 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 in retrospect, thinking about the history of music and what this album did that people should consider and think about when they think about 2017. And I was thinking about this on the way over here. Um, number one is that Taylor Swift is doing a hip-hop and R&B-inspired album. 
That's her is, next is that, album. Is that confirmed? Fuck the universe, is that confirmed? Man. That's confirmed. She's probably well, that. She's well, probably, actually no. Fuck it. Twenty seventeen. No rules. Just right. <laughs> yeah, this is actually good. Yeah, this so is yeah. pop, pop, think about pop the needs fact, more every of that. Time, every Welcome time to the wasteland. Every time that I look at an Apple commercial and I see yeah. Taylor Swift and Drake <laughs> being friends, yep. all I do is I think about Killing Me Softly and I go, I know that Taylor Swift is a fan of Killing Me Softly. Yeah. I'm 175 yeah, percent yeah. sure that there's something that is comparative and close. Is somebody doing that? <laughs> <laughs> sticks is Mr. Sticks, Roboto, sticks. Sure. I don't. Yeah. I don't think Sticks is coming sure. back, Kevin. But I mean, you think <laughs> about sticks that. Sticks still here, dude. I, 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 and you also think about the like idea here in the basement, <laughs> right? And you think about the idea too that you can also now put together like trios of well-meaning white kids mm -hmm. who are inspired by the exact same culture that inspired. Everybody that went through studio to do the score. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you could easily see that existing in an America where we put everything into a pop silo. Um, African-American voices, except if, unless they're female, they can sell 8 million records out of the gate. Don't mm -hmm. really get heard. Um, you could see that happening. I yeah. mean, it's easily possible. And you could see like country replacing the dance hall influence. And everything else remaining the same. Yeah. Wow. And it could be one and the same. Yeah. No, that's true. And it's 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 a frightening thing to consider, but it's something worth considering. So I have I have two more just two more quick things on this album. So the first is that if um uh vinyl me please, which is one of those and it sounds like a terrible idea. It's like you subscribe and you get a record every month and yeah. sometimes there's special pressings. They actually did a gorgeous reissue of this on vinyl. I and it's printed that. on like black and gold vinyl. It's absolutely stunning with some original artwork. Um I can't I can't recommend it enough actually. I've like bought it for people. It's so good. Um and the second is that um just just my quick I like I I can't get out of here without acknowledging uh my friend Miraf Mashesha who was the person who sat me and my roommate Evan down in 96 and said you guys need to hear this and he was one of the two people who sat me down and introduced me to Marley the year before. And Miroff was not a hip hop head. He was a Marley head. He was like a D'Angelo head at the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Like he was he was not coming at this from a world of like this is what hip hop needs. He was coming at it from like this whole other side of like black music and African music. And he heard these guys and he thought this is that this is a new thing that is happening and that oh. I need as many people as possible to hear. So, so shout out to Miraf who I know doesn't listen to podcasts, but I will bug him and make him listen to this Ooh, one. Excellent. Well, thank you for being down here today. Joe. Yo, this was fun as hell, man. That was yeah, a lot this of fun. Is, yeah. you know, I, we haven't done a lot of these. And, uh, I, like I said, up front, I aim to do a bunch more of them because I think, in talking about this older, I mean, this is all stuff that makes us in this room who we are. Yeah, yeah, not course, me because yeah. I've never I, heard the fuck. I would, album, I would not be talking about music in 2017 if it were right. for the score. Yep, right. And, and I, I know I, every word of this album backwards and forwards. <laughs> and I think it's always good to like go back and revisit that stuff. And like you, you said, you had to listen to this a bunch. Yeah, and that's that's always just great. <laughs> that's all, that's all it's like, it, it, it is the best it is what i do down here in the basement is what you guys do in your respective basements what you listening probably do in your basement when you put on like pinkerton or purple rain which we did we did purple rain we that's, did purple rain. Yeah, that's, that's amazing that, that, that uh happened. you know uh when you put on parade perhaps yeah uh, that'd be a good one uh you know you sit down here and you think all these things because you've had 20 or 30 years to think about it and uh so now we're just gonna talk about it yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, see you guys later. Gonna find you and make you want me. Now that I escaped.
escape, sleep, walk, or wait. Yeah. Those who correlate know the world they kick. Jail bars ain't golden gates. Those who fake, they break. When they meet their 400 pound mate, if I could rule the world, everyone would have a gun in the ghetto, of course, when get the up and on their horse. I kick around, drinking moonshine. I pour a sip on the concrete for the deceased, but no, don't weep. Why Clef's in a state of sleep, thinking about the robbery that I did last week. Money in the bag, banker look like a drag. I wanna play with Pelicans from here to Baghdad. Gun blast, think fast, I think I'm hit. My girl pinched my hips to see if I still exist. I think not. I'll send a letter to my friends. A born again hooligan, no need to be king again. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. There you go. That is the first, first, very first episode of uh, of our sort of branching off podcast, Discologist. Um, it's a good time. Uh, like I was saying up front, it is... And we did this on a Saturday afternoon, I believe, and uh, just sitting back and relaxing with friends and getting to talk about music is is awesome. And the fact that we get to do it on mic and I give it to you, that's, that's just sort of icing on the cake. But, you know, we hung out for another three hours and listened to a bunch of really cool shit. Um, so thanks to Eduardo for coming down. Thanks to Marcus for coming down. Thanks to both of them always for being down here. Uh, coming up next week, we're going to have... What do we have on the agenda here? Oh, no, maybe not Foxygen. Uh, no, we're going to have an album by Natalie Hemby. Yeah, she's got an album, Puxico, coming out. We're going to be talking about that on Monday. I'm not sure what we're doing on Thursday. The big inauguration is coming up on Friday, and uh, and uh, we we got a lot to say about that. So so might have something pretty cool. Uh, if not, no, we're, everything we do is cool. Come on. Uh so that's the end of the podcast, guys. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate us there. Uh, you can uh, give us a star. You can leave a comment. You can actually leave comments on the site. Uh, we've had some people doing that lately, uh, especially on our Run the Jewels episode. Uh, you can email us, which we got a great email. And I'm not going to uh, publish the email. We got a really great email uh, about somebody from somebody talking about uh, our Sturgill Simpson podcast recently. And... What was great about it is what we say here all the time is that, you know, this is a conversation. We aren't right. We're right for ourselves. Maybe we're not right for you, but this is a conversation, and we're sort of inviting you guys into this. And and that's exactly what this was. It wasn't an attack. It wasn't it, – it was reasonable conversation. There's somebody who really loved Sturgill Simpson's new album, uh, and I really don't like it, and that's okay, right? That's amazing. So so uh, to you guy, if you're listening to this and you know who you are, uh, thank you so much for sending that. That was really uh, that was really a thrill to read that. So, um, but you can also subscribe to us and uh, see. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We are Mixcloud. Uh, we're gonna have some stuff up on SoundCloud. Never YouTube. I don't I don't know why. Um, and and you know if something else pops up, we're probably gonna end up on there too. Uh, so you know, thank you for your support. We are just getting started this year. It's starting to book some stuff it's gonna be rad as fuck as far as i'm concerned uh so we'll be back in a few short days until then be good to your ears but be better to your people talk to you soon <laughs> 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 Kenobi!